What if the Mariners just say no to the pitching market? What would be the ideal return if Seattle traded Logan Gilbert? And what is Tyler Locklear's ceiling? We'll answer that and more here on Mailbag Monday. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Monday, October 16th, 2023. This is Tidy Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB. $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. This is Mailbag Monday, the show where we answer your Mariners questions. And we're going to start here with D. Panky. Wants to know if DePoto came out this week and said they weren't going to waste one second on possibly signing a pitcher this offseason, how upset would you be given how much it would limit their ability to approve the team? Would it almost be as bad as the 54% comment? Colby, thoughts? Not familiar with the 54% comment. Talking about uh, Geno Smith's uh, early down success rate yesterday. Oh, yeah, he was bad. Uh, They should probably bench him. Uh, But, uh, yeah, uh, not first of all, announcing what you plan to do in the offseason is is dumb. Like in terms of like we're not interested in pitching or we're not interested in first base. That's that's dumb. Um, But, uh, no, if, if that were the case, I think that would be a pretty big mistake uh considering that right now uh like your your backup in case one of your pitchers gets hurt which you know seems pretty plausible uh is marco gonzalez who is also hurt and not very good and and the backup to him is emerson hancock who is also hurt and not very good so yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's something that you have to address. You don't necessarily have to go out and get a mid rotation guy. You don't have to go get a sunny gray or anything like that, but you do need, you know, better options than, uh, Emerson Hancock coming off of an injury or Taylor Dollard coming off of an injury or even Tommy Malone or Darren McCack. And you should go find somebody who's at least as good as Marco. Um, you know, obviously preferably somebody who has triple A options. You want somebody better than Flexen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you, you should go out. You should go get somebody. It's not always the easy, easiest thing to find. Pitching is so valuable that typically, if you know you want to stash a guy as your number six starter, he's probably good enough to be the number five in most other rotations. So uh, you have to yep. get a little creative with it. Um, you know, you have to look for the right opportunities. But uh, yeah, it is something they should consider. It's something they should go out and do if they can. Uh, and that doesn't mean they shouldn't go out and get you know, a sunny gray or, or somebody like that, uh, if the market is right. So right. I, I think you have to look at all avenues to make your team better. Even, you know, strengthening a strength is, is still getting better. Uh, and, yep. and if that's the, if that's the way forward that you can go and get better, then that's what you do. So, yep. um, you know, as much as we all want to add to the offense, preventing runs is also a way to improve your team. So if, if that's the path you go, you go that way, but just outright rejecting the idea that you're going to go after any pitching and you're not going to waste time on it. Quote unquote. 
uh, that would be pretty foolish. Right. Yeah. It would be incredibly silly to completely just outright say that you're closing yourself off from an avenue to make your team better, especially closing yourself off of the strength of the free agent market this winter. Uh, also, you know, a thing that we need to keep in mind here, same thing that applied to last offseason is that most pitchers, and you kind of touched upon this, aren't going to sign with you to be a break glass in case of emergency type of pitcher for you. Um, especially if you're talking about guys that are number fours, number fives. Like, if they're not just fringe major leaguers, they're probably not going to sign with you to fulfill that role. Um, so, if you're going to go after, you know, a, a guy like that, if you're going to go after a number three, number four, it's probably either after you trade, you know, Bryce Miller or Brian Wu, or you basically promise those guys, uh, you know, that guy that you're signing, like we are going to open up a spot in the rotation for you. You don't have to worry about that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of lovers have to be pulled here in, in order for all of that to, to come together. And obviously there are different ways that they can attack it, but they absolutely should not uh, close themselves off from, uh, from that Avenue. Sure. Uh, if you're looking for a name in particular for like the Marco type pitcher who might be willing to you know be stashed in the bullpen for a little while mm-hmm. maybe somebody like brad keller uh of the sure. royals but uh yeah it, it it's not the easiest thing to find uh but doesn't matter you have to find a way to uh, improve your pitching depth at the very least and maybe that means again signing sunny gray and pushing brian Wu to the bullpen or or whatever um you just yeah. you have to you have to be deeper this year yeah yeah all right, next question here comes from Max. Who do you think can get us the better bat, Miller or Wu? Of course, it depends on the team and who they like, but if you had to guess, who has more value on the trade market? Colby? Uh, I would say probably Miller. Um, he's a little bit uh, more of a finished product. He has a uh, more track record uh, of pitching in professional baseball. Uh, hasn't had to deal with the injuries that Wu has uh, in college or in the pros. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a little more stretched out. Like, there's really no reason to to think that Bryce Miller can't go 170, 180 innings next year. Whereas Wu, you know, probably want to try and cap him 130, 140. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's Miller. I, I think you know the upside is probably not quite as high as Wu, uh, but the the floor is is higher. Um, I think Miller is uh, a number three. Uh, I think you know. I think his ceiling is probably a high end three. I don't know if there's a lot he can do to get to a number two. Uh, for Wu, it's it's you know the command's a little bit better. The fastball is just as valuable. It just I like the slider a little bit more. So we'll see. And like the question mentioned, beauty is in the eye of the beholder always. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, in a vacuum, like who would I prefer if I was trying to get one of these two guys? I would go after Miller. But again, it it really is a toss up. I would agree, but uh, yeah, it very much is dependent on the team. There's probably going to be some teams out there that believe in, in Brian Wu as a starter more long-term than, than Miller, and maybe they view Miller as a, a reliever down the road, and there's going to be some teams that are completely turned off of the idea of of, of Wu considering you know his injury history. So, um, well, maybe not completely, but uh, they're not going to be as excited about him and his long-term potential as maybe Bryce Miller. Um, so, yeah, again, it, it depends on the team. Um, in terms of teams that they could appeal to, I mean, the Rays, the Guardians, the Cardinals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone's looking for young, controllable major league starting pitching, especially guys that are established at the major league level at this point, like Wu and, and Miller, I would say, are. All right. 
We've got a few more questions coming up here in just a moment. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Locked On Marys podcast is brought to you by GameTime. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. So forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. Let's get back into these questions here. We got one from Chowder-Headed Yokel who wants to know, is there a Mariner prospect each of you think has the potential to make the opening day roster for 2024? I mean, Prolander Baroa? That's about it. And, I mean, he's technically a prospect, but if you're talking about someone that hasn't played at all at the major league level, maybe Tyler Locklear, but probably no one and it, unless no. the, the Mariners trade for a prospect that hasn't played at the major league level that they think is on the doorstep. Yeah. Uh, if you're talking about somebody who still has prospect status, Baroa is probably the only guy you should really count on. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not sure if Canzone has uh, graduated. graduated. Uh, but yeah, probably not a lot of them. If you're talking about guys who haven't made their major league debut yet. Uh, definitely not Locklear. I think the only one that you could possibly see making this club that's in the organization right now is maybe Ryan Bliss, but even that seems a bit far-fetched. So, uh, nope, I, I don't think there's anybody that's going to make the opening day roster who is, you know, going to be making their major league debut. Uh, and, you know, unless they acquire somebody and, and the Mariners are going to acquire people and they're probably going to acquire some prospects in a deal. Maybe they find a bullpen arm they really like and they stick them in the bullpen. Maybe they take somebody in the rule five um, and he just happens to make they the team. typically always do. Right. Yeah. Uh, they don't always make the team, but yeah. So yeah. I would say, you know, in terms of like pure prospect, never been to the big leagues. I think your only shot is Ryan Bliss. I I, I think in terms of like technically still a prospect, it's Prolander Broa um, yeah. who's, who's going to do that. So. Uh, yeah, the the big like wave of of fresh young prospects, you know, impact guys making their major league debut, it probably comes no or no sooner than you know next summer uh, when we could talk yeah. about Locklear Bliss, maybe Cole Young, probably not, but maybe um, you know Jonathan Classe, guys like that. So yeah, Cole but, Young's probably more of an August September thing. Yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, yeah, you're going to have a, another wave of guys coming up. Uh, it's just not going to be by opening day. Um, again, like maybe Locklear, but I, I, I doubt it. It's it's going to be Baroa, and then if they add someone via trade or on the free agent market, maybe like an older guy who's technically a prospect, like he hasn't played at the major league level, like maybe that guy makes his debut, like another Dylan Moore situation. But Austin Shin. <clears throat> yeah, there you go. Sure, Austin Shin, potentially. All right, next question here comes from Bryce. Bryce wants to know, can you give us your analysis of the Otani market generally? Things like fit, desire to win, and of course, money. Colby, our opportunity to put Otani in the thumbnail. Do you know we're fully I, going to take advantage of? I wonder why you picked that question, and then I immediately knew. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So here's the deal with the Otani market. Nobody knows anything 
So they say, oh, Otani's number one priority is the West Coast. His number one priority is to win. His number one priority is, you know, control over his career, blah, 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 all that stuff. They're guessing. They're guessing. They don't know. We don't know. Um, But, you know, kind of just taking educated guesses at things, we can say that I think he probably would really like to win. I think that's probably pretty high on his list. I think the ability to kind of control his own career is going to be very high on his list. So things like opt outs and, and, you know, uh, you know, high, uh, you know, high, uh, buyout clauses and all that stuff. And, and, you know, kind of controlling when I get to pitch and and all that stuff, um, is going to be important to him. So I think he's going to want some control over his career. Uh, I think winning is going to be, you know, pretty important. And honestly, I think those are pretty much the only two. I, I don't think he's, you know, just ignoring every team that's not on the West coast. I don't think that's a, a thing. Um, and I also don't think that necessarily though, that it's just whoever writes him the biggest check is going to get him. Yeah, uh, that'll certainly play a big role in it, obviously. But I do think that you can kind of, uh, you can kind of maneuver around teams offering bigger, uh, you know, guarantees by, giving Otani more control, which is opt outs, you know, and uh, maybe incentives on, on pitching and and all that stuff. So I think, I think there's room to get creative here. I think there's room to, you know, really just kind of let Otani create his own contract essentially, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in terms of length and and AAV and all that stuff uh, without you having to go like here's 12 and 600 uh, to get him interested. So We'll see. In terms of teams, I I still think this is the Dodgers. Uh, this is the Dodgers fight to lose. Um, they have plenty mm-hmm. of money left. They've they haven't really spent big the last couple of off seasons. Uh, you know, Otani likes the the area generally of Southern California. Uh, that team can definitely win, um, and they're missing a piece clearly because they haven't. You know, they won one World Series, and it was the COVID uh, shortened year. So. Yeah, I, I think the Dodgers, it's probably their race to lose. I think the Giants are going to be pretty interested in him. Uh, I think the Mariners are going to be, you know, on the fringes of it. I, I think they want to yeah. be in the middle of it. I just don't know if Otani's really open to that or not. Uh, and that's where maybe Seattle can kind of get their foot in the door by being the most willing to, you know, offer opt-outs and, and you know, incentives for pitching and, and stuff like that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's probably control over his career, deciding where he gets to play and how long he's going to play there and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, as And then winning are probably the two most important things. And then just like overall guaranteed money is probably third. That would just be my guess, though. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think the only guarantee we can really make is that this is going to be one of, if not the most unique contracts ever handed out in, in, in the history of baseball. Uh, and that's whether it's with a, a layup of a team like the Dodgers or maybe one of the weirder ones like the Giants or, or the Mariners or maybe someone on the East Coast that we're not really expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be high in incentives uh, based on the uh, you know innings pitch down the road. Uh, there's going to be a lot yeah. of incentives, incentives that make it you know 60 to 65 to maybe even seven, $70 million a year. Um, because obviously the, the injury changes a lot. Um, I think it also uh, might depend on who believes in him pitching long term the most. Uh, yeah. And by believe, I mean in terms of guaranteed money, like how much guaranteed money are, uh, is a team willing to kick in for Otani the pitcher, not just Otani the hitter. Because uh, Otani the hitter is probably a 35 to $40 million player. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but Otani, the pitch, when you add that factor in as well, I mean, that that goes to astronomical numbers we've never seen before. So sure. what does that end up looking like? And like you said, the opt-outs. I, I think there's going to be opt-outs after year two, year three, year four, et cetera. Like he's going to want to have pretty much full control over his uh, over his career and over his market and when he wants to, you know, potentially reset his market and and look at other options. You know, I don't think that he wants to get in another situation where he's just stuck like he was in Anaheim. Yeah, uh, I I do think that maybe um, Otani might be open to the idea of a one year contract um, just to and it, it'd still be like one year, 50 million bucks. But like, yeah, one year uh, kind of test out a market, see if he likes it, knowing he's not going to pitch and then he can go on the market next year, uh, you know, kind of having a feel for another team that maybe he likes or, or uh, you know, he can just. Eh, cross that team off didn't work out and now i'm gonna go back out where his market will still be vast and he'll be able to pitch right away so um you know it, it's it, it if he signed a one-year deal with like say the giants for 45 million dollars or whatever uh-huh. uh, he could still go out the next year uh you know next winter and still get 10 years 500 million dollars or whatever or in those like uh those contracts with the opt-outs and all that stuff they'll still be there so yeah. I, I think it's highly unlikely he would do it, but I do wonder maybe he's willing to consider it just because he can't pitch. And, you know, it's, it's a unique situation where it's like, this isn't going to be his last shot to, to yeah. make the mega contract. So, yeah, maybe it's an opt out after year one, right? That yeah. he doesn't wait the two years. Um, but yeah, he's not going to pitch until 2025. So how are teams going to feel about that? Even a team like the Dodgers who has just a lot of money to blow. Like and probably shouldn't really care at the end of the day, just get Otani. But uh, they're they're probably going to even have a, like a little bit of hesitation in terms of the guaranteed money that they kick towards him, especially when we're talking about year like years four through seven on a long term deal, or years four through ten, or however long the deal is. Yeah. Like, I, I just think like if you're Otani, like if you're a little hesitant about maybe like going out to the East coast or whatever, why not sign a one-year deal with the Mets for like $45 million and see if you like, you know, living over there, if you like dealing with that media and all that stuff. And then you have a better idea. And and maybe if you are kind of like, if he is on the fence about like leaving the West coast or whatever, maybe this is a good chance for him to go and and without tying himself down too long. Yeah. Um, But maybe be a hired gun and and bring chase, right? Like go to the, go to the Braves, right? For a year. I mean, sure. Yeah. It's definitely possible. We'll see what Otani wants to do, but basically he gets to he gets to do whatever he wants. You know, he yeah. gets to write his own contract essentially. So, um, but yeah, I do it's think basically you know, like he'll he'll go and tell a team like I want to play for you, and you know, it's up to them to make yeah. it happen. Like, yeah. So, you know, I, I think that the control over your career is is probably the number one thing that Otani cares about. I think winning's probably number two, and those kind of go hand in hand. Uh, and then I think like just overall guaranteed money is probably third but yeah i'm guessing yeah i think the the only way that guaranteed money really has a big impact on this is is with regards to the pitching side of things um if it goes beyond that 40 plus million dollar mark all right next question here comes from pitchfork for kids generally fans seem to prefer a miller woo trade over dealing logan gilbert but let's say you wake up one morning in the offseason to news the m's traded gilbert who are the top three guys you hope headline the return Uh, it's not really about like top three guys specifically i mean like i want 
you know, a borderline star of a bat in return, or I want, you know, a, a four win player and maybe a two win player and, you know, an interesting arm, you know, something like that. Um, is there anyone specifically you think about with Gilbert Colby or is that is what I said, just kind of generally what you would like to see in a return for, for Gilbert? Yeah, it's tough to say because starting pitching, particularly young, controllable and cheap starting pitching uh, is the yeah. most valuable commodity uh, in the game. Uh, everybody wants it. Everybody needs more of it. There isn't a team out there that would look at Logan Gilbert and be like, eh, we don't really need him. Um, yeah. he, even if you're a few years away, he's going to be there in a few years. Even if you're, if you're trying to win the world series next year, he can definitely help you with that. So, uh, his market would be vast and, and it's just kind of hard to pinpoint one, you know, single player. Like what would I hope to see? Like, yeah, Ronald Acuna jr. Obviously that's not going to happen, but yeah, like, you know, there, there are some, some factors that, you know, mitigate this, but I, I do think that like, like we talked about this summer, like if you're getting like Randy Arena. Mm-hmm. and you know a couple of starters basically mm-hmm. or once like if it's a rosarena harold ramirez and you know Pick a young or, arm yeah or something uh, like that, yeah. or taj bradley somebody like that then yeah. then yeah then you're okay with that um but i think it's got to be that like i just don't think that you're trading logan gilbert for like the logan gilbert equivalent of bats i don't know who that is first of all but yeah. Uh, I I don't think that's good because I think you're still losing value because you're trading a pitcher for a non-pitcher and that's typically but yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying is like you, you want a borderline star of a bat if you're just doing like essentially a one for one and there's probably other pieces that are getting involved there but yep. like if we're just looking at in a vacuum like what's the big piece that you're getting back it's probably a borderline established MLB star. And yeah, I don't know if gonna, that guy exists in terms of like making sense for a Gilbert trade. No, I mean like Adley Rutschman, but that doesn't even make sense because you have Cal Raleigh. So it, yeah. you know, it, like it I don't, like, I don't need like obviously I would love Adley, Adley Rutschman in a vacuum, but like I'm not you know bending over backwards to trade Logan Gilbert for him because I already have Cal Raleigh. Like Adley's right. obviously better than Cal, but mm-hmm. right and well, sure about that? No. Yeah. Cal was pretty sure. good this year. Cal was pretty Adley good. Adley kind of took a step back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. I'm, yeah, no, know. he did. He did. But uh, either either way, like you're not in like there's no there's no single player on like the Cardinals who we know really like Logan Gilbert. You're not trading Logan Gilbert for Nolan Gorman. That that's not no. Uh, like Nolan Gorman and Lars Newbar and uh, Tyler O'Neill or Alec Burleson, something like that. Then maybe, but yeah. like those are two good players and, you know, an interesting young guy instead of, you know, one star. And, and so I think that's what it would take. So right. uh, there's a reason that we talk about Miller and Wu a lot. Uh, there's just a few more possibilities when you're trading yeah. guys like that uh, to get in return. That makes sense than it is when you're trading a guy who, you know, probably enters next year as a dark horse Cy Young award uh, candidate. So yeah, like he's, uh, arguably a top 15 pitcher in the entire league yeah so and at his worst he's probably like a top 30 pitcher in the league like he's at his worst he's a number three like yeah. I, I think he's a number two right now and i still think there's even a little bit more yeah. uh in the tank so yeah it, it's tough to you know find a one for one that makes a lot of sense for seattle yeah and i and i get what divis said on you know ben Ranieri's show uh, a few days ago about you know they might 
eventually trade him once he starts to get more expensive and they don't you know and if they don't think that they can extend him all that but you don't need to push that envelope right now he's still incredibly cheap mm-hmm. he's still one of the best values in all of baseball right now quite frankly like you don't and need to rush that if there isn't an ideal you know right. deal out there for you and if you even wait two more years and you trade him with two years left to club control you're still going to get tremendous return yeah uh, yeah 100 so, like, there's just yeah. There's no reason to trade him unless you're getting absolutely blown away. And that probably means you're getting a young star back and, and just go find that guy that would be yeah. traded for Logan Gilbert. It, it's tough to do. Agreed. Agreed. All right. We got a couple more questions here on Mailbag Monday. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Lockdown Mariners podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. October baseball is back, folks, and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's L-O-C-K-D-O-N, to create your new account. And you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a win, predict what will happen in the next that bat with quick bets so head on over to fanduel.com slash locked on right now step up to the plate this postseason with 200 in bonus bets guaranteed make every moment more with fanduel official sports betting partner of major league baseball and you're listening to the locked on mariners podcast thank you again for making us your first listen here on mailbag monday got a couple more questions to go over here we're gonna Check in with Randy, who wants to know, are there any similarities to what Tyler Locklear can become and what Christian Walker is for the Diamondbacks? Is that a fair player comp or no? Colby. It's awfully optimistic. Um, I think that's the absolute ceiling, right? Yeah, because Walker's the guy who hits for a high average, takes walks, hits 35 home runs and yeah. is a really good first baseman defensively. Like that's yeah. that's shooting the moon uh for Locklear. The thing with Locklear right now is that I don't know if anybody has a, a great feel for his power. Um I I think most agree that it's at least average, which is, you know, 20, 25 home runs give or take. Um but there is some room for growth there and and like there are some who are going to think that he could hit 30, 35 home runs and and that would be like 60 grade power. So uh, I, I think, you know, and that, that kind of depends. Can he get there without sacrificing too much of the hit tool? Eh, I, I think, you know, kind of a, a fair comp for, uh, for Locklear is, you know, a little bit more athletic Ty France. Uh, it, it's, you know, a guy who probably is going to hit 260 to 280. He's probably going to hit 20 to 25 home runs. Uh, he'll draw walks. He'll have an above league average on base and, and, you know, he'll play good solid defense at first. Um, but you know, I I I think like the very ceiling is two eighty thirty home runs, something like that, above average defense. And that's pretty much what Walker gives you. But again, that that's ceiling. Like that is the absolute most you yeah. could ever hope for. I know Jerry likes to throw around his little Paul Goldschmidt comp. That's that's a joke. Um, no. Paul Goldschmidt is you know one of the five best first basemen of his era, and that's an era that includes like Albert Pujols and you know so. Miguel Joey Cabrera. Votto. Yeah, Joey Votto. So yeah, yeah, let's let's cool it there. But uh Walker also Goldie was like stealing like twenty to yeah, twenty five bags. bags. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Locklear ain't doing that, but yeah. I think his ceiling is you know, his reasonable um ceiling, yep. attainable ceiling is is probably, you know, slightly better Ty France. 
which is sure. pretty good. And I'm talking, you know, good Ty France, not what we saw the last 18 months. Ty France. Yeah. His timing mechanism is so weird at the plate. Have you seen it? It's like his hands are uh, really busy. Locklear. Locklear. Yeah. Yeah. And yet it works. So yeah. that's the only rule. So, yeah. yeah no, I, I like Locklear a prospect. I would be pretty bummed if the Mariners traded him. But yeah. also, like, whatever. What do they get back? Yeah. What do they but, get back? That's what's yeah. ultimately most important here. Don't hug those prospects. Don't no. pocket that money. No, but I, I like Locklear's a guy who's grown on me since they drafted him uh, from I was so unsure about the bat speed. And and now, you know, based on what I, I've read and, and what I'm hearing from other people, like bat speed's not really an issue. And, and there's a real good feel for hitting. So it, even if yeah. he only hits 20 home runs, he's probably going to hit 250 to 280, somewhere in that range. Uh, with yeah, he might hit 35 up. doubles. Yeah. Yeah. 35 doubles above average defense. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think he'll be a good player. Uh, mm-hmm. Christian Walker. I mean, Christian Walker is one of the better first basemen in he's baseball right now. Like, really underrated. Yeah, he's really, really good, uh, and he's really coming to his own, especially over the last couple of years. Been a big reason for the Diamondbacks' success this year. So, yeah. all right. Last question of the day comes from Good Vibes Only. Which young M's outfielder would you pick to break out in 2024 with 500 plus at bats, three plus WAR, and a 110 plus WRC plus? The options, good vibes only, gives us it's Kelnick, Canzone, Marlowe, Tremel, or Classe. I mean, it has to be Gary Kelnick, right? I it's Kelnick. He's basically already done it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, essentially. Like, he was pretty much on pace to do that. Yeah. I mean, he finished so. at, like, 108 WRC plus or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a two-win player in two-thirds of a season. So, like, we can all do the math on that one, right? If he plays a full season, he's a three-win right. player. So, it's you basically just described who Jared Kelnick was, you know, this year. So Could definitely, been, yeah. yeah, definitely Kelnick. It's not Klasse. Klasse is going to strike out way too much uh, to have much of a shot to see the big leagues um, this year or well next year. Uh, Canzone. I haven't seen anything from Canzone to make me think that he's, you know, worthy of 500 plate appearances. Um, and yeah, yeah Marlowe, no, same thing. And, and Trammell, I'd, I'd be shocked if he's in this organization on opening day. Yeah, Canzone. I I just I don't think he's gonna get to 500 at bats, 500 plate appearances either. Really, like yeah. I I think he's a platoon bat, and mm-hmm. I think the Mariners recognize that as well. Yeah, just hard to get to three wins when you only get like 400 plate appearances. You have to be really good. Um, yeah. I think Canzone can be 110 WRC plus bat, but obviously yeah, almost exclusively against right-handed pitching. So, yeah. And then you have to war also factors in defense and base running and all that stuff. It's Kelnick. Like Kelnick is the guy. Uh, I I think, you know, honestly, that's a pretty reasonable expectation for him next year is to be, you know, 110, play 140 games, three win, just be, you know, part of the part of the lineup. Some somebody who hits six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range and, you know, provide some pop, provide some on base skills and, and, you know, We'll we'll see what he can do. Uh, it it really is a bummer that that Kelnick uh, self injured himself um, yeah. because like it was it just feels like we don't quite have all the information we needed. Uh, yeah. But I think we did see enough to to look at Kelnick and go like okay there there's at least an an average everyday big leaguer yeah. uh, that we have uh, and so you know I'm not saying you should just give him right field you know, and that should just be his and you shouldn't challenge him on it. I don't think he's earned that, but I do think that he goes into uh, this winter as, you know, pretty 
strongly written in pen as one of your three starting outfielders for next year. Uh, you just have to protect yourself against it. And it is possible they trade him. Like he's definitely not untouchable, but yeah, I feel okay about Kelnick where he's going. I certainly feel better about him than I do Marlowe, Canzone, and uh, you know, Classe Tremel. So yeah. I, I think the easy answer and, and the correct one is, is Kelnick. Yeah. Maybe you bring in like a righty to part-time platoon with him. Not all the time, like let him hit against some lefties, but maybe not all lefties just do it based off of, you know, matchups. Right. It's why it would be a de- ideal for that player to, that you bring in to also be good enough against righties that you could just DH him, right. you know, right. and and just kind of do that. So, you know, maybe an Adam Duval type, somebody like that. Agreed. Agreed. All right. That's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dan Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day. We'll see you next time. Peace.